Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. we got terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll visit with Linda Harden, my wife, who writes uh, Greetings from Paradise about what's going on here on the Paradise Coast. <clears throat> It is June the 29th, and on this day in 1995, the American Space Shuttle Atlantis docked with Russian Space Center uh, Station Mir to form the largest man-made satellite ever to orbit the Earth. This historic moment of cooperation between two formal rival space programs was also the 100th human space mission in American history. At the time, Daniel Golden, chief of the uh, National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, called it the beginning of a new era of friendship and cooperation between the U.S. and Russia. With millions of viewers watching on television, Atlantis blasted off from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in eastern Florida on June the 27th, 1995. After 6 a.m. on June 29th, Atlantis and its seven crew members approached Mir as both crafts orbited the Earth some 245 miles above Central Asia near the Russian-Mongolian border. <clears throat> when they spotted the shuttle, the three cosmonauts on Mir broadcast Russian folk songs to Atlantis to welcome them. Over the next two hours, the shuttle commander Robert Hoot Gibson ex expertly maneuvered his craft towards the space station. Uh, to make the docking, Gibson had to steer the 100-ton shuttle to within three inches of Mir as, at a closing rate of no more than one foot every 10 seconds. The docking went perfectly and was completed at 8 a.m., just two seconds off the targeted arrival time and using 200 pounds less fuel than had been anticipated. Combined, Atlantis and the 123-ton Mir formed the largest spacecraft ever in orbit. It was only the second time ships from two countries had linked up in space. The first was in June 1975 when American Apollo capsule and a Soviet Soyuz spacecraft briefly joined in orbit. Once the docking was completed, Gibson and Mir's commander uh, greeted each other by clasping hands in a victorious celebration of the historic moment. A formal exchange of gifts followed, with the Atlantis crew bringing chocolate, fruit, and flowers, and the Mir cosmonauts offering traditional Russian welcoming gifts of bread and salt. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Atlantis remained, uh, remained docked with Mir for five days before re returning to Earth, leaving two fresh Russian cosmonauts on the space station. The three veteran Mir crew members returned with the shuttle, including two Russians and Norman Thagard, a U.S. astronaut who rode a Russian rocket to the space station in mid-March 1995 and spent over 100 days in space, an endurance record, by the way. Uh, NASA's Shuttle Mir program continued for 11 missions and was a crucial step towards the construction of the International Space Station, which is now in orbit. Uh, interesting. Well, it didn't exactly kick off a great friendship, but uh, it was certainly uh, a great to see uh, rising above politics in uh, at a time in the space program, but did that it did that a lot of that uh, in, during the space program it was a great program. Well, a recent report from the Institute for Family Studies, a conservative think tank, found that the number of children growing up in two-parent homes rose last year to over seventy percent for the first time in nearly thirty years. In its report, which is based on U.S. Census Bureau data, the think tank, whose mission is to strengthen marriage and family life and advance the well-being of children, found that the proportion of children in two-parent homes in the United States had risen gradually from 67.3% in 2005 to 70.4% in 2020. It's too early to say for certain, but growing numbers of actual and would-be parents seem to be heeding the conventional wisdom that a stable two-parent family helps children flourish educationally, socially, and economically. That according to Nicholas Zill, a research psychologist and senior fellow. A U.S. Census Bureau data cited in the report shows that the proportion of people under the age of 18 living with two parents dropped from 88% in 1960 to just over two-thirds in 2005, prompting concern 
uh, from some experts about the downward trajectory of the, of the trend. All the experts agreed the number of family, nuclear family was on its way out, Zill wrote, but a funny thing happened on the way to extinction. Although certainly not out of intensive care, the support corpse of <laughs> supposed corpse of the two-parent family seems to be breathing new life, and that's that's good news. So I think we could pretty much all agree, just might make common sense that uh, it creates a more stable environment for kids to feel secure and to develop their own self-esteem and uh, learn good values. So uh, good news, uh, families uh, se- over seventy percent now. Uh, kids growing up with uh, two-parent households. Well, Americans conservatives <clears throat> need to work to take back our classrooms as liberal push their ideology against capitalism far too long, leaving kids to hate their country. That according to our own representative Byron Donalds in an exclusive interview with Newsmax. It's featured in Newsmax today if you go to Newsmax.com. For far too long in American education, we've had, frankly, liberals push the ideology against foundational pillars of the nations against the progression that this nation has taken since the Civil War, since Reconstruction through the scourge of that was Jim Crow, through the Civil Rights era till today, and they ignored the progression of this country, Donald said on uh, the show Cortez and Pellegrino. What often happens is you have a situation in our classrooms where socialism and communism and capitalism are put in the same standards as if they're equal somehow, some way, and they completely ignore the scourge that communism and socialism have had on too many governments across the globe in world history. Republics have had their hands off education far too long, he said to the co-host. This is something that is important that conservative Republicans start taking a look back at the classroom and understand that our children need to be taught and understood not only has capitalism provided more economic opportunity for more people than any other place in history of the world, but the United States government under the United States Constitution has been a beacon for hope and liberty for all people, he continued. Even though our country has not been perfect, it is by far the most perfect That kind of ideology is missing from our classrooms, and that's why so many of our young people come out with so many questions and even hatred for our country. I think he's absolutely right about that. Donald's argued that Democrats view everything through the lens of race, which is a subjective way of of viewing the country. The problem with leftists is they want you to, quote, unquote, achieve those things only by giving them full political power. And if you give anybody full political power, nobody succeeds, said Donald. Whereas conservatives, what we want to do is actually limit the size and scope of federal power. We don't want all power residing in Washington, D.C. We want people to be free to do these things on their own so they can all live in harmony and peace that everybody wants. That's the big difference, frankly, between the leftists of today and the liberals of yesteryear and the conservatives that have been in our country throughout the entire time. It's important that we all win this discussion and we win the day because the future of everybody's liberties, white and black, are on the line, said Donalds. Good interview. Byron, by the way, getting a lot of press and a lot of interest in the media, and he's so articulate and well-spoken. Congratulations, Byron. Well, Tucker Carlson has claimed that the National Security Agency is spying on his show in a bid to take him off the air. That would be a shame because his show is one of the best. Uh, we don't. We just won't miss uh, the Tucker Carlson show. He does a great job. The Fox News host said on Monday that uh, the whistleblower had approached the show the day before and informed them of the espionage. It's not just political protest the government is spying on, Carlson told his viewers. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NASA, National Security Agency, the National Security Agency is monitoring our electronic communication and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take the show off the air. Carlson also pointed the finger directly at Biden administration and accused them of spying on him and his show to try and uh, stem the criticism of the government. They did it for political reasons, he said. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that, Carlson said, and he knew the whistleblower's information was correct because they had insider knowledge that could only have come from accessing his communications. The whistleblower who is in the position of no repeated back to us information about a story that we were working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails, Carlson said. There's no other possible source of that information. None, he said. The 52-year-old presenter Tucker Carlson, one of Fox's biggest stars, has for several weeks been claiming that the FBI infiltrated 
and actively orchestrated the January 6th riots. He claims that he, he's been denied by the FBI, his claims have been denied by the FBI, but Carlson insisted the government was infiltrating all aspects of life. So interesting. This morning we filed an employer request asking for all information that NASA and other agencies have gathered about the show, Carlson said Monday. We did it mostly as a formality and contact to the press office of both NASA and FBI. You don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that, that usually goes. <clears throat> and then he said, only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do so immediately, Carlson said. Uh, the NASA's behavior is unacceptable. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. They are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us. They are almost certainly doing it to others. This is a scary, and indeed, we need to stop it right away, he concluded. Well, I don't think... You know what? We've seen so much of this, and it's clearly these agencies have all been politicized, and it's really a shame, including uh, the Department of Justice, quite frankly. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. thought we'd start our conversation by talking about what happened in uh, Surfside, the condo that just imploded, pancaked. Uh, I guess it happened over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, any thoughts? Well, obviously, um, it, it's, it's an unbelievable tragedy. And many of us have been sort of glued to the news to, to you know, watch and hope that, um, there were, that they could retrieve some or rescue some individuals. And it's... And, I, you know, I just can't imagine what the families are going through. Um, and, 
you know, it's amazing to me, um, you know, when we come together, both uh, all sides, mm-hmm. people can work together. I haven't heard any, it's your fault, my fault, whatever kind of thing. And it's all, it's just work together. And, you know, I hope that the spirit of cooperation continues as they start to investigation of why it occurred. Absolutely, Kathleen. Those are great sentiments. And I also, you know, I think it's just so important that, uh, uh, I, I know there's, the, these are category, these things should be able to withstand category four or category five uh, hurricanes, for crying out loud. They just should not pancake and, and implode like that. And uh, right. apparently uh, there were some warnings that and it, uh, it just goes to show that, uh, hey, condo board, you need to take care of business and make sure you're keeping your condo up to date. Well, it'll be, um, I think it'll be telling when they investigate, uh, obviously, this building and the one, the sister building up the street um, that was built at the same time, uh, same materials, same um, architecture, hmm. same every, everything. And then it comes down to what what's the difference between the two, and if, if any. And I think doing the investigation of that sister building right now makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's so many factors that go into it in 40 years. You know, maintenance is, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, use, uh, what if there was a sinkhole? I mean, you know, there's just so many things. And I, I think the uh, authorities in Miami are wise not to conjecture Yeah, and uh, to let, let the process um, work itself out. Yeah, well, I think that's well said. So I, uh, I understand that you're working on an, an amendment to the Constitution. Well, I'm not. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am adamantly and vehemently opposed to uh, this amendment that Florida Realtors is uh, pursuing. Which would um, it, it, what happened was they during session were not happy with a bill that we passed that uh, took the affordable housing funds that had been in law uh, for forty years. And we said, okay, we, we are going to acknowledge that we should put um, a certain amount of dollars uh, into affordable housing, uh, and that shouldn't be swept into the general fund. But we also know we need to put money into resiliency and septic to sewer. So we took the funds that had been in statute for 40 years, uh, uh, much of which had not been used, and, and changed the distribution. Well, the realtors didn't like that, and so they um, are pursuing a constitutional amendment to basically say that um, uh, 25% of all documentary stamp taxes in the state of Florida should go uh, to affordable housing. And unfortunately, there are two problems with that. Um, Forty years ago, when, when we set up the, the, or when the law was created, documentary stamp tax were not what they are today. I mean, that's basically the state's, um, one of the state's few uh, sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. So if you take and allocate a portion of that without having any legislative uh, ability to um, uh, to look at it in terms of the entire budget, it could create a real problem where money could be sitting in that trust account where we could need some somewhere else. Right. So that's one thing. Um, you know, even though I support the Affordable Housing Initiative, we should not be... We should not be legislating in the Constitution because the precedent of that is anytime an industry organization doesn't like something the legislature does, oh, okay, well, we'll get the voters to vote for it and put it in the Constitution. Our Constitution is 90-some-odd pages. It's crazy. Yeah. There's so many laws created by the Constitution that hamper the legislature's, legislature's ability to, um, to do our jobs. So uh, for two reasons, I am... Um, adamantly opposed to it, and I, uh, you know, I'm not sure why they're doing it, and it's going to be a problem. So, uh, my comment is that uh, so much, um, so many of our amendments to the Constitution look like uh, laws. <laughs> they don't look. They are exactly. Look, they are, and it shouldn't be, because a law can be can be changed over time as needed. Mm-hmm. You know, if, they, if if circumstances change, once it's in the Constitution, it's there forever, unless it's. Uh, revised during one of the revisions every 20 years. And even then, that's hard to do. They didn't do that the last time. They left a lot of really bad uh, so-called laws in the Constitution. And, and it's just a bad precedent. Now there's a, there's about half a dozen other amendments, uh, uh, FanDuel and, and one of the other sports 
betting uh, organizations didn't like the gaming compact, so they're trying to get a constitutional amendment. I mean, it's it, it doesn't make sense. You know, we had a, uh, every 10 years, uh, the uh, group gets together to uh, amend the Constitution. My hope was the last time they met that they'd actually scrap the one In we 20 have. 20 years. 20 years, is it? 20 years. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Our own Erica Donalds uh, served on that uh, board. I've forgotten what, it, what it's called. But, uh, the, 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 yeah, it, I was hoping, and I guess it uh, was not realistic to hope this, but uh, they'd actually scrap the Constitution, start over, and rewrite the Constitution so that it wouldn't so it wouldn't provoke this kind of amendment process. And I, I, I can agree with you more. In fact, I naively thought that's what they were going to do, that they were going to basically say, you know, do a one-page, a joke a little bit, a one-page, 14-point type. These are our goals and objectives for the state of Florida, and then the legislature fills in the implementation of it through legislation. And, you know, there's just so much in the Constitution. I, I mean, I agree with the, the, the framework of, of um, that we don't allow the state to um, uh, tax us without our permission. Mm -hmm. That's in the Constitution. Uh -huh. That's different than in the Constitution deciding where our tax dollars go. That should be the purview of the legislature. Absolutely. Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator, just generally pleased that you could spend time with us and for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. We'll do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and it's uh, it's always fun to learn new things. Yes. And I came across a sport that I never knew existed, and I gave you the initials. It's P-D-G-A, and it stands for Professional Disc Golf 
Association. Disc So they golf. golf with Frisbees. It's Frisbee golf. I've never heard of such a thing. My point exactly. And there's money in it. There never used to be, but there's money in it now. The last purse went up to a half a million dollars. This guy named Paul Macbeth, who is the big Frisbee golf guy, just signed a guaranteed $10 million contract over 10 years. He has 150,000 followers on Instagram. Holy mackerel. Who would have thought that? So, so do you know the rule? How, how do you play disc golf? What you do is there's like a, um, rather than the hole, there is a, uh, it's, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like a net. Uh-huh. And you throw the Frisbee at the net, and then it's got a cage around the net, and it, the Frisbee has to fall into the cage or into the net for you to sink a putt, so to speak. And it's all by throwing Frisbees. Huh. So, for example, uh, do you, like, uh, you're like 400 yards away from a hole and uh, you throw it as far as you can and try to keep it in play and that kind of thing? Is is that the deal? Yes, yeah. And you use a range finder to find out how far you are from the, the cage, the hole. Yeah. Well, it's got to be easier. Well, than, it's got to be easier than regular golf. <laughs> what well, has to? Because you know, all you're doing. Well, I, I don't know how to throw. A fr- I mean, I could throw a frisbee, but not accurately. Right, right. But you have to be very accurate, and you know, some of these holes are three and four hundred yards away. So it's not like you're doing it like fifty yards away. And I mean, you don't have different clubs, obviously. But uh, I think it has its own challenges. And apparently, it has a pretty big following. So uh, I've $10 not million dollars. So I've I've not seen a disc golf course. I mean, do they use regular golf courses, or how does that work? I don't. Wherever you can stick this this uh, net into the ground, the, they have a video of it, and they set it up inside a football stadium oh. or fields. You know, it doesn't have to be groomed. I mean, you can be in a cow pasture. Yeah. So, uh, so h- having a walk in the in the <laughs> in the park is not. So they they play in a football stadium and they set up. But how many holes are there? There are eighteen holes. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I know it. Professional disc golf. So the, you heard it here, and it's been around for quite a while. I had. No I think idea. the money just got into it recently, though. Uh huh. Well, I'll be darned. That's such an interesting. And, and how many? How many is there a league? Do they have uh, many teams? Or I guess I don't know. The article didn't go into that, but I imagine that there are yeah, lots of teams. Yeah, sure. Interesting. Well, yep. Boo, you heard it here first. <laughs> That's the first. Yep, I'll I've... tell you, we're breaking ground, so yes. to speak. Yes, we are. So let's go from that. I also read there was a huge article about um, how how has how have people's lives changed dramatically or changed significantly because of COVID? And so listen to this. A half of U.S. adults say that their lives will change in major ways after the pandemic is over with. Now, maybe this has to do with people that are going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, now, they, now instead of offering bonuses, Signing bonuses, they're offering work flexibility. Hmm. You know, Boo, uh, the most disturbing thing, I, I shouldn't s- qualify it that way, but something very disturbing, uh, you know, we've seen that the stock market is just kind of buoyed up and, and stayed up and uh, the economy is coming back. But the, I, what I heard, what I read, is that 40% of all small businesses have closed because of the pandemic. Now, you think about the impact of you start a business, and I know you've done this, and you work hard, build a business, and just see it all evaporate because of uh, lockdowns and so forth. It it just has to be a real life-changing experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really does. I, I can see that in my own city. Um, you know, we have this, it's a street called State Street, and it goes between downtown, where I live, the state capital down to the University of Wisconsin campus. And it's a main thoroughfare. It's, 
it's kind of like Fifth Avenue in, in Madison and lots of little college shops, bars, restaurants. And after last summer, between COVID and the demonstrations for Black Lives Matter, they say 60% of the businesses on State Street have closed. Yeah. That's so sad. So, you know, you put your heart and soul into something and trying to build it and uh, see something like that happens. It's got to be very, very, very discouraging. But did, did the article talk about how other ways people's lives have changed? Is it because of psychological reasons or any comments? Uh, you know, I think it has to do with how people go to work, <clears throat> child care, uh, religion, education. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about how universities have changed now. Before, it was bricks and mortar. You go in. Uh, you know, nobody thought about attending classes online. It, was, it wasn't it was even a concept. It was barely a concept. And higher education, they say that this year they're going to lose revenues between 70 and $115 billion over that? the next couple of years as a result because kids are, you know, they're losing revenue from uh, fees, you know, uh, and loans and um, uh, room and board revenue. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, attendance or enrollment at the University of Wisconsin, for example, is probably down this year. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And significantly last year, you bet. Um, how are they going to recoup? I don't know. And they're still building. You, you should see all the building that's going on in the campus, and you think, how, how can that be? They have so much money that they can continue building. Also, this is another thing I bet you didn't know. Google is getting into higher learning. So Google, at some point, I don't know if it's up now, if it's been launched, but they are going to offer certificate programs that will be equivalent of four years of, four years of college. That's so interesting. You know, I think this uh, that there will be some real changes in higher education. You know, some schools, you know, I'm sure the University of Wisconsin has a nice endowment, has support of the state and so forth, but some schools just don't, and they are going to have to merge with other schools. They're going to have to make some changes, change their curriculum, you know, or they're not going to survive, one of the two. Oh, oh yes, you bet. You know, the bigger schools, you know, the Big Ten, the Ivy League, you know, those those schools will go – a lot of state schools, they will continue on, but the smaller ones are going to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So things are going to change on that front. And, by the way, tuition is just totally out of line. I mean, the the inflation uh, in the cost of going to uh, higher education has just gone up so much, and uh, I think it's going to have to get down and become more realistic. I think you see a lot of trimming of bureaucracies at universities in order to get uh, back in a line so they can be competitive. Maybe they'll get rid of some of the tenure. Wouldn't that be nice? Tenured professors? Yeah, talk about getting rid of Deadwood. <laughs> Kathleen Fassett, uh, Boo Mortensen, I uh, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Uh, by the way, how's the weather in Wisconsin? I mean, it's, is, are you having the heat wave that we're getting out west? No, we're not. Uh, I guess I have to say, thank goodness we're not. But we've had cloudy, rainy weather, which is so... It, we must be the only place in the country that, uh, where I can say that. Uh, I think this is the eighth or ninth day that has been predominantly overcast and and rainy. My brother lives in Seattle and said last night it is 106 wow. in Seattle. Un- now, Seattle's up by Canada. I know, unbearable. Well, Canada's having that same heat wave, apparently. Boo, it's all, yeah. it's always a pleasure to find out what's on your mind. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Have a great day. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees 
On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Uh, visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, my wife, Linda. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president uh, of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. What exactly is Less Government? <laughs> Alex, the answer is not what we have in the U.S. today. Right. Um, it's, it's an aspiration. It's the, uh, we're trying to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government at all levels. Yeah. And it's hurtling in the opposite direction, unfortunately. It is right now, for sure. So, uh, did you see Trump's uh, rally on Saturday night? I did not, actually. I was I was not able to watch it, but uh, no. Uh, it was, he, he was... He got us all fired up. It was just outstanding. <laughs> so, well, I, I did see the massive picture, the massive crowd pictures. Yeah, so. over thirty thousand people, I guess. So, uh, you, your column, latest column, so interesting. Government digital divide lies. They don't even count your smartphone as an internet connection. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, we well, you know the, the bureaucrats lie to us all the time. Uh, the, the justification in their mind is as long as it expands government. You know, we'll, we'll say and do whatever it takes to do it. You know, um, uh, I use Obamacare as an example. If you like your health care, you can keep it. You know, we'll reduce premiums by $2,500 a year per family. Um, there was, I'm still reminded that uh, three of Obama's speechwriters went on Charlie Rose's show before Charlie Rose was outed as a woman abuser. And they, Charlie Rose brought up or I think they brought up the, uh, if you like your uh, health care, you can keep your health insurance lie, which even the Washington Post said was the lie of the year. And they all laughed, including Charlie Rose. Ah, that was so funny. We told that lie. And, yeah. Um, you know, but, but hey, at the end of the day, what happened? They passed Obamacare, and now we're jammed with it. All right. Um, and they're doing this now in the Internet realm. You know, uh, you and I talked about the, the fact that 5G is going to deliver us 1 to 10 gigabits of speed per second up and down, upload and download. And we're a couple years away from that being pretty much ubiquitous around the United States. Yep. So it, as part of this lame non-infrastructure infrastructure effort in D.C., they're trying to massively increase the amount of government broadband. The, 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 they're going to pay local governments to go into the broadband business. Well, they suck at it 450 times. They've tried it at least. They failed 450 times. But anyway, the, the point is they're, they're talking about the digital divide. 
the people who don't have internet. Well, I didn't put it all in the piece because that would be a whole other piece. But only 7% of Americans don't have, don't have internet. And most of them, it's by choice. Most of them are older Americans who spent most of their life without the internet and now don't see any reason to start now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so pretty much everybody that has it at once it has it. And, um, the speed at which government defines high speed broadband is 25 uh, millibytes per second uh, download and three upload. Now millibyte obviously is just a, you know, how many bytes per minute or whatever broken down to second. Um, now, because 5G is becoming more ubiquitous, they're realizing, and oh, this is one of the lies they tell, they don't count your, your cell phone, your smartphone connection to the Internet as it, as it is Internet connection. <laughs> Even though 4G LTE, which is the network we've used for the last several years, delivers, I think, 12 times the download speed that the government counts as high speed. They don't count wireless as Internet. And then, of course, when we go to 5G, it'll be, you know, 400 times faster than the current speed. So they lie by not including it. Now, because they're not getting as much money as they want for government broadband, they're looking at actually starting to count wireless and satellite, which is also perfectly good internet and works very well in rural areas. Um, now that they're going to lose, they feel like they're losing that battle on not counting these perfectly viable sources as sources, they're not going to massively increase the speeds at which they count yeah. internet is internet. High speed is high speed. They're 25 megabits to 100 megabits. Which so, no one needs right now. Right. Nobody needs. The highest density bandwidth intensive thing is video. The highest, the access we have, most of us have, is high definition, HD. You see it on screens all the time, HD, high def. Mm-hmm. That takes between three and nine millibits per second. The internet, the government now counts 25 millibits as high speed. Hmm. So three times what we actually need for the most intensive thing there is, and they're going to quadruple that number. You know, it's amazing. that way, they can then say, hey, nobody's got high-speed broadband. We need more government. Yeah. When in reality, we all have high-speed broadband, and we don't need government at all. What amazes me, Seton, is the fact that uh, it, it seems to be bipartisan. The fact, oh, yeah, we're going to include the uh, broadband. We're going to include the Internet in the uh, stim- or in the package. Yes. And, and, and we've never done that. Have we ever had money in the budget for Internet? Oh yeah, uh, the well, there was a seven point two billion in the two thousand and nine stimulus for for government broadband, uh-huh. and there's five different departments that every year spend money to connect the unconnected. Huh. Five different, and they weren't even coordinating until this year when the Congress passed the law saying, "Hey, you all ought to get together and coordinate so you're not, you know." Three of you aren't funding the same area. That's so interesting. So, so see, yeah, we spend money on this all the time. We yeah. spent probably, I would guess, $100 billion in the last 10 years Wow. On, on connecting the unconnected. And obviously, it's the private sector that's been doing the connecting. And like I said, we're down to 7% who don't, want the, who don't connect to the Internet, and most of them choose. Not to connect to the internet, and most of because them because they just have no interest in most it. Most of them are you know, connected. I, I live on the street. You know, I live on the water, Bob, and you know how the waterfront is. The waterfront people are white collar, and the people right behind them are blue collar. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I got HVAC guy across the street. I got a, a boat captain. He does uh, swamp tours. Neither one of them have the internet. Want the internet? They can afford it. They just have no interest. In yeah. It. Yeah. 
Amazing. See, one quick question before I let you go. Uh, when would you uh, get a 5G phone? Uh, in other words, uh, how is this all kind oh, of... Oh, you can get it. You just go to any, any, provi- you know, any provider. Go to the Verizon store, the AT&T store. Um, they have 5G phones. And a lot of the 4G phones are 5G capable. So okay. You're not necessarily tech, tech, you know, previous generation tech out of 5G if you have a 4G phone. It, they build it to, you know, maximize the number of older, you know, not new phones to access the new network. Gotcha. So in other words, uh, in other words it's not like they're going to flip a switch and all of a sudden we're going to have 5G. This is kind of a morphing over time. Well, we're already getting it. You know, they're, they're, they obviously work in the major cities, start uh-huh. in the major cities, and then work their way out. I right? see. Okay. And, but it is, it, is, it is a cheaper build-out process because 4G going backwards had these massive towers you had to site. Yeah. And now the, the antennas for 5G are small cells, what they call them, and they're basically the size of pizza boxes. Gotcha. Now you have to put more of them up but it's obviously, you can put up a pizza box antenna in about an hour and a half. Yeah. You could not do the same thing with an old giant towering tower for the 4G and, and previous network. All right, Seton. So, again, uh, lessgovernment.org is the website, and Less Government on Facebook. You can visit it there as well. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. That's right, she's my wife, and she writes greetings from paradise. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She's known everywhere for writing greetings. As your from, wife. <laughs> my <laughs> wife. <laughs> writing greetings from Paradise, a uh, very popular uh, newsletter on what's happening, positive things that are happening here on the Paradise Coast. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, but you know what the positive thing that's happening it, locally right now is that the drought is over. Yeah, it is. And that was, that was very apparent as we went on our little 
sojourn yesterday afternoon where we got caught. Holy <laughs> mackerel. The rain, I've never seen, well, I guess I have seen a torrential rain like that, but it was just incredible. And so we're waiting uh, in the car for them to bring out our goods, uh, which uh, Linda paid for with her credit card. Well, and oh, by the way, I was going to go in and get it, but there was no way I was going to do, do the it. backstroke into that building when it was lightning and blowing right. and everything else. So uh, I'm real concerned about who's going to come out here and bring the stuff. So they bring our goods out, and uh, this young lady with a yellow slick uh, raincoat on comes out with a big bright smile and hello, how are you today? <laughs> and she was. And where would you like your stuff? And, yeah. and it was just she couldn't have been nicer. I know it was it was just a total shock and surprise. And I offered to, to tip her. She was reluctant to take it for crying out loud. So it's kind of interesting. So hey, I want to check in with you. Uh, I know you're paying really close attention to what's going on with the audits in Maricopa County, Georgia, and other places. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are. Holy smokes, this is going to be a fun week because um, in Maricopa County in Arizona, they are finalizing, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's about that. They're making sure that there is no room for um, error, discrepancy, or um, someone else saying this isn't fair or whatever. They are doing everything. And from what we hear, we are going to be absolutely astounded with the results from that. Then there's Georgia, who is, um, we watched John Fredericks last night on Steve Bannon say, there's a good chance, oh, by the way, it gives me goosebumps just to think about it, that what they're finding there could decertify the election in Georgia, put David Perdue back in the Senate instead of John Ossoff, change the whole balance of power. I just, you know what? I mean, sleeping takes up my time. Watching the news is what I do all the time because it's so exciting. It is so interesting, isn't it? So uh, apparently they are talking about decertifying the election results. I think it was something like 190,000 or 170,000 ballots, mail-in ballots, need to be inspected, and there's some concern about whether they're authentic or not. And if they're deemed inauthentic, that could change the results of the election. Well, and I heard such, such an interesting analogy when I was out walking yesterday, when I was listening to uh, one of the Hoff brothers who, who author The Gateway Pundit. He says, you know, I'm an auditor by trade mm. before I got into this. And he says, he says what they're saying, that um, what, they're, what they're describing, what the, the mainstream media is used as describing is you go into a bank and, and you look at the cash drawer and you say, oh, that looks fine. Let's just let's just <laughs> let's just close it out. Whereas, as an auditor, he says, "No, no, no. We have to count every single penny and make sure that it lines up with the amount of money we have." Yeah. And I just thought that was a great analogy, which which sizes up um, uh, these audits perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, and apparently, there's been ten states that have vis visited Maricopa County to take a look at their audit process. Uh, some talk, I guess they have an audit going on in New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there's there's stuff going on all over. There's there's one supposedly in Wisconsin that's going on, too. Yeah. And and then there's something huge is supposed to blow out in Michigan, which is which could put John James... Um, Back in the Senate? Well, he never was. He never he yeah. never won, but wouldn't that be cool? That would be unbelievable. Anyway, it's, it's, so, it's so much fun to watch, and the media is trying to distract from it, yet the mainstream media like MSNBC and CNN are going... Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! They have their hands on the ballots. So it, and, and oh, and, and oh, by the way, last week too. Sorry to interrupt, but they're so scared that the Department of Justice sued the state of Georgia over their election law. And from from what every uh, legal person, like uh, Jonathan Turley or whatever, who's a pundit that's on TV, says. What were they thinking in, in fi the DOJ in filing this lawsuit? It has absolutely nothing to stand on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, and they're still in denial. They say, there's no, well, there's no. no. It was the safest election yeah. in history. Now, that's uh, Rath Rathisberger or whatever his name is. Well, he's changed his tune now. Yeah, but he was saying it's the most uh, absolutely perfect election ever in the history of Georgia. He said that on 60 Minutes in January, yet he, he already had proof that it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like he's not getting much sleep lately. Yeah, so corrupt. And uh, so, and I, I think there's an audit going on in Wisconsin in one of the counties. Yeah, but they're keeping that really under under wraps. Um, there's just so much going on all over this country. Good grief! There's a the uh, recall of Gavin Newsom that's going to be on the boards or on the on the ballot 
coming up, and and they're doing everything they can to to muck that up. I mean, it, it's Gavin Newsom can't get out of his own way. Is, is well, they're trying to prop him up. They're trying to uh, put off the election as long as possible, allow him to give away everything he can in, in order to garner favor with the electorate. So I don't think that's going to work, though, because I think people resent pretty much the lockdowns and all the things that he's done to the economy. Well, now he wants to mass people up again, oh, by the way, with regard to this Delta variant. He says, oh, well, um, we unmasked, but you better wear a mask indoors now. I mean, you know, you can just tell that the left is getting the deep state, the the World Health Organization, all these people are getting scared because now they said they see what's happening, and they said, oh, we need to we need to go back to the the uh, uh, getting people masked up and getting people scared again with this new Delta variant, which is just people are just not having it. They're just not having yeah, it. I was reading in the Naples Daily News this morning that. Uh, uh, Coronavirus is on the rise here in South Florida, and then when I actually they had uh, there were seven more cases in Collier County this week than last week, seven more cases. You know what's absolutely amazing about this this whole scenario? When do you ever remember them counting noses of who got the flu? No, I mean seriously, they didn't. They never counted, and people just didn't go run up and test to see if they have the flu. As we both know, there are things going through our bodies. All the time. That's right. And it all depends on our immune system, whether it's healthy or not, whether we, we can withstand whatever's going around, cold, flu, whatever. But, but now they're making a big headline deal about everybody that sneezes and, and oh, it's COVID, it's COVID, because we know, we know that they're counting everything as yeah, COVID. That's right. Motorcycle accident, out of COVID. So there's, yeah, it's, here's the thing. You may recall that we're going to uh, close things down for a couple of weeks to see if we can flatten the curve to make sure that we're not overwhelming our hospitals. That made sense at the time. But since then, now they've taken whatever this power might be to uh, really take away our constitutional rights by masking us up and locking us down. Uh, and they've changed. They've That whole flatten the curve thing went away a long time ago. Well, uh, they've. I mean... It, What's that? What's that? Peanuts uh, analogy about moving the goalposts for that Lucy kept moving the, the goalposts for Linus, and 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 that's what's happening every single day. By the way, one more note: Have we seen Anthony Fauci on TV recently? Nope, not we on the channels we're watching. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, I I watch I watch social media. I watched. I'm on Telegram. I'm on I'm on other um, venues, and he is just. MIA. Is he? Yep. Well, I think that's smart on his part. I think he should probably lawyer up. I mean, uh, Rand Paul has done a great job of exposing uh, what, well, and not only him, but uh, I'm trying to remember the guy, name of the guy that. Uh, Peter Daszak. Peter, uh, I'm thinking of uh, the guy that was on Trump's administration who wrote the four explanations of, of uh, the election. Oh, um, Peter, uh, Peter, Peter, Peter Navarro. Uh, Navarro, right. Yeah, so uh, Peter Navarro has also been a very stern and, com- and uh, consistent critic of uh, Fauci. And uh, the, the gripe I have with Fauci is he, I've never heard him once reference a study, uh, an exact, an, you know, an investigation or anything, anything in terms of medical data to support his, his uh, claims. And what, what he just seems to flip-flop all the time. So uh, he, just to me, he has no credibility. Follow the money. Follow the money. And, by, and oh, by the way, let me just say this, because I know we're running out of time, is that we didn't even touch on the fact that new revelations have come out, that guess who participated and, and bought, bought into uh, the Wuhan lab none other than president quote unquote and i use the term loosely plugs biden's son hunter hunter has money in the wuhan lab i'm thinking that biden better look into maybe how long he's going to be president because that doesn't look good on his resume no it sure doesn't hunter biden owner in a company that does business with the wuhan lab i believe since 1914 by the way linda i always appreciate your commentary in the show thank you so much for we don't us. have enough time i know sorry we don't. oh well i'm sorry about have that. a nice day you too all right well that's a wrap here in today's show i hope you enjoyed it uh tomorrow we're going to visit with bob levy the chairman of the Cato Institute. We're talking about the difference between conservative and liberal judges. Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be with us. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and uh, author of many, many books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. 
Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.